Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you. How many of you, raise your hand in the room, if when you're not sick, okay, that's the premise, you're not sick, you like to go to the doctor? Anybody in the room? Okay, okay. But we have to, right? Because I'm imagining your insurance company, like my insurance company, requires me every year, whether I like it or not, kind of like a shower, (laughs) right? I need to go to the doctor. And we call it a wellness check, just to figure out where I'm at. Get a barometer of how, where things were last year, where you're at this year. Check on things. See how things are going. Make sure everything in your body's okay. So it's not a bad idea. And so we thought that as we started this new year and we answered this huge question, am I all in for Jesus, that it would be a good idea to do a wellness check on our faith. Okay? Because our spiritual life is more important than our physical life, amen? And so we're going to take the next five weeks and we are going to do a wellness check on our faith. I hope you like it as much as going to the doctor. But I can guarantee you, I will push buttons just like your doctor does. I'll ask big questions just like your doctor does. And we'll discover some things together that we all need to learn and grow in in Christ. Because Jesus created us as very unique people in the image of God. He created us spiritual, mental, emotional, physical. Those are all things in our life. And we recognize that all four of those areas are intertwined. And Jesus wants every single area of our life to be heading towards health and wholeness in all these areas. And because we desire to be followers of Jesus that are healthy in every aspect of our being, we're going to focus on that. And we're going to focus on what it means to live the healthiest life we can this side of heaven. Amen? Now we know that this is a process. None of us have arrived, and none of us will arrive till we get to heaven. But there are certain things that we can do to make ourselves more healthy and to make sure that we're doing a good job with Jesus. Look at this picture with me. This is a picture of a barrel, of an old barrel. I love old barrels. How many of you love them? Like they're, they're just cool, right? Uh, and, and I love just the idea of the little slats in it and stuff like that and it all being held together. It's really nice. So I want you to imagine something with me. Your life is kind of like this barrel. And each, it's definitely like me, right? It starts skinnier at the top and then it goes out a little bit and then it gets skinnier. That's just like me, isn't it? That is exactly my shape. But here's the point. The barrel has a slat, tons of slats, that are all smushed together to keep everything in the barrel uh, and everything dry in the barrel and so you can fill the barrel up, right? So I want you to think for a minute about each slat. And each slat corresponds to a part of your life. So one of the slats is your mental life. One of the slats is your spiritual life. One of the slats is your emotional life. One of the slats is your physical life. And we can keep going around the barrel, right? One of the, one of the slats is your financial life. One of the slats is your sexual life. On and on. Just keep going, right? All of them make up 
a healthy you. And what we're shooting for are full-size slots going all the way to the top, right? So you want your mental life to be all the way to the top. You want to be super healthy mentally. You want to be super healthy physically, right? We, we want that. So that's like what it would look like to have that, that slat go all the way to the top of the barrel. But we also know that there are areas of our life where the slat's not all the way to the top, right? And here's the challenge. When we go to put Jesus in our life, in our barrel, and let's say the emotional side of our life, for whatever reason, is not very healthy, and so that slat's only halfway down, then what does that mean? That means that Jesus leaks out right there, and this isn't the good leak. <laughs> this isn't the good leak, right? In fact, the word tells us what? That we should be overflowing. So what we actually want is a full barrel overflowing with the presence of God into every area of our life and into everyone and everyone we come in contact with. This is an area where, okay, my emotional health is only halfway down. That slot's not doing so good. And so that's where it's leaking out. And so I'll use this as an illustration throughout our time together to just help us focus on our life and say, okay, what, what areas of our life need to grow some so that we can be all in for Jesus. Amen? So let's pray, and then I want us to look at our spiritual life together this morning. Jesus, we thank you so much for what you're doing, what you're saying, what you're speaking, what your word says, and I pray that as we look at things this morning, that you would be glorified and that Holy Spirit, you would be in the room, you'd be talking to each of us, and you'd be helping us understand what it means to be Christ-like. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to propose something this morning that I think is very important. I'm going to propose to you this morning that when we fully understand what I'm about to say, that it will hopefully, hopefully change a lot of things in your life and how you're doing life. And it's our main point this morning, and it's this, that your spiritual life is where you find the real you. Your spiritual life is where you find the real you. See, as our world engages further and further into a world revolving around physical pleasure and desires of our body, have you noticed that we are growing further and further away from our real selves, from our true identity? You say, Pastor Mark, explain. Can you quantify that scientifically? Absolutely, I can. I can quantify it spiritually, scientifically, mentally, biologically, however you want to talk about it. I can quantify it because right now, our world is in a mental health crisis. Right now, we are experiencing a mental health crisis globally. Why? Because we've lost our identity. When you walk away from your creator and you don't understand your heavenly father anymore, and you don't want anything to do with your spirit, who is the real you, connecting to God, who is spirit, then you're lost. You're completely lost. You don't have midlife crisis, you have pre-life crisis. You don't even know what to do. So we have college students graduating all over the world, and they don't even know what to do with their life, and they're 22 years old. Because... We're trying to find our identity in everything else but our spiritual life with God. And the problem with that is your spiritual life is the real you. 
It's where you find the real you. Now, why I'm saying this matters because the way we're doing life in the developing world is not designed to enhance our spiritual life. We're enhancing our fake life, not our real life. So all of this, all of this stuff that's distracting us from our true selves is distracting us from our spirit. In Ecclesiastes 12:7, Solomon said, the dust returns to the ground it came from and the spirit returns to God who gave it. So your body is just going to decay, but your spirit is what? It's going to live on. Why? Because it's the real you. That's the real you. Your spirit is the real you. Your body's not. Proverbs 20 verse 7 says this, the human spirit is the lamp of God that sheds light on one's inmost being. So the most powerful point in your life, the most inmost things in your life, that's the real you. We got to connect with that. James, in James chapter 2, verse 26, said this, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. So what James is saying what Solomon is saying, two pretty smart guys, they're saying that our spirit is the real you. Your spirit is the real you. In fact, our body is nothing without our spirit. Paul in Corinthians calls our body a tent. Right, you heard me say this before, you're just camping right now. That's, just think of it like that. Your life is a bit one big camping trip. The only thing giving life to the matter that makes up your body is your spirit, which is the real you. Therefore, your spiritual life is where you find the real you. So it makes sense that we would do a wellness check on our spiritual life today. So let's start. The first step in a spiritual life is renewing your spirit. Every single one of us has to have our spirit renewed. And basically, all that means is to believe in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Now, let's ask a question first of all, and that is, what is the human spirit? What is it? Well, Diane Chandler in her book titled Christian Spiritual Formation says, the human spirit is the core capacity and repository of one's deepest longings and desires and it directs all of the issues of life. It's interesting. Your spirit is directing everything in your life. Why? Because your spirit is the real you. That's the real you. It's your inmost being. But our spirit needs to be renewed. It needs to be renewed because it is sinful. As a result of the fall of man, our spirit desires to live life outside of God's best for us. This is why Jesus came. He came to renew our spirit. And Jesus talked about that as well. He talked about it in John chapter 3 and in John chapter 4. Look at them with me. In John chapter 3, verse 3 through 6, he's having a great conversation with Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a spiritual leader, a teacher of the law, a Pharisee, and he goes to Jesus at night and he wants to have a spiritual conversation with him about what it means to be in relationship with God. And here's what Jesus tells him. Very truly, I tell you, 
No one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. Now listen, Jesus says something very powerful here. He says, every single one of us is going to be born of flesh. We're going to be born from our mother, right? Of water. And that's actually an idea of you being in your embryonic sac in your mother's womb. Water. That's what it is. All of us are born from mom. Thank you, mom, right? Everybody say thank you, mom. Or at least say thank you to my mom. She's here. But we also have to be, Jesus said, born again. Born of the spirit. Why? Because your spirit is your real you. That's the real you. And that's the only you that's going to make it into eternity. That's the only you that is going to be in heaven. It's the only you that is going to understand the kingdom of God in its fullest understanding. So Jesus uses this term. You need to be born again. You need to be renewed. Your spirit needs to start living life a new way. A new life that is believing in Jesus, following him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and a life that has a renewed spirit. Your spirit is now connecting with God, who is spirit. And then John, Jesus, sorry, follows it up again in John chapter 4. When he talks to a woman at a well and he talks to her about what it means to have a relationship with God. And in verse 23, he says this to her. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit. And you know, notice Spirit is capitalized. And in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit. And his worshipers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. Now, in this verse, Spirit is capitalized because Jesus is referring to the Holy Spirit that does that renewing work inside you and me in every person that believes in Jesus as their Savior. And that renewing work that the Holy Spirit does inside of us is helping our spirit be renewed every single day. And as you and I connect to the Holy Spirit and live in the Spirit and honor the Spirit, we become more Christ-like. So the Holy Spirit helps us every day to live with a renewed spirit. And the New Testament refers to this kind of living, this Christ-like lifestyle, as living in the Spirit. Living in the Spirit is part of our spiritual wellness check. It's the second part of our spiritual wellness check. So let me ask you a question. How much do you live in the Spirit? How much do you live in the Spirit? Because as followers of Christ, this is part of our growth in Christ, is to become more in tune with what the Holy Spirit wants in our life every moment of the day than I am in tune with what I want for my life every moment of every day. Now, don't raise your hand, but 
are you pretty good like I am at doing what you want to do every moment of the day? I've figured that out, okay? I've got that figured out really well. I'm really good at doing whatever Mark wants to do throughout the day. Can get into that mode really quick. And I'll bet you can too. But what Jesus is talking about in John chapter three and John chapter four and what all of the writers of the New Testament are trying to get us to figure out is this, that the Holy Spirit now resides in you. Because of the cross and the resurrection and how it makes us holy, the Holy Spirit lives in you. And now, while we live here on earth, our challenge is to have a renewed spirit and to live in the spirit. The Apostle Paul asked this huge question of the Galatians church in Galatians chapter 5. Turn there with me if you can. Uh, you can open your Bible or you can turn it on, however you want to get there. And in, in the book of Galatians, the Galatians church, um, if you look at it fully and completely in its entirety, you'll discover that the Galatians church started off with a bang, just on fire for Jesus. And then they started to settle into their relationship with Jesus. And then they kind of started to just kind of walk away from living in the spirit altogether. And so the apostle Paul asked the Galatians church to do a spiritual wellness check on themselves. And it's one of the greatest sections in the New Testament that we have about living in the spirit. I'd love to take time to look at the whole chapter, but uh, I'm just gonna look at about half of it. So let's look at verse seven to begin with. <coughs> Good job. <laughs> Doug and I talked about that there are going to be moments I will be coughing and he would mute it really quick. Didn't he do a job? Yes. Good job, Doug. All right. So here's what verse seven says, and this is great. He says, you were running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? Now, here's what's cool. Already at this point in the New Testament, we had marathons. This is a, did you know that? Did you know the marathon is like from Greece, super old? Comes from a moment where uh, they won a battle and it was 26 miles from, I think, Athens or Sparta, one of the two. And a guy runs 26 miles all the way to give them the good news that they won the battle and then he drops over dead, which is exactly what happens with most marathons. You drop over dead at the end anyway. But that's where we get the marathon from, 26 miles. And that had already been happening at this time. So the, the acronym here, the illustration is fresh in their mind. That, that this competition is already happening at this point in the first century. You were running the race so well. NIV says, who cut in on you? right? In other words, why'd you stop running so well? So Paul says our life and our life in the spirit is like running a race. It's like running a marathon. It takes skill. It takes practice. It takes endurance. It takes hard work. But that's life. That's life in Christ. And then he jumps. I want to jump to verse 16. In verse 16, Paul gets to the crux of the matter of living in the spirit. And he says this. So I say, let the Holy Spirit 
guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Now Galatians 5 tells us the truth about life on earth, doesn't it? When you become a follower of Christ, you begin to get pulled in two directions. Our sinful nature is pulling us away from Christ, and the Holy Spirit is pulling us towards Jesus. And we have to choose. We have to choose which direction we're going to let be stronger in our life. Now, remember the barrel. Remember the barrel? One of the slats is living in the Spirit. You have a living in the Spirit slat. And is the slat halfway up the barrel, all the way up, somewhere in between, lower than 50%? I don't know. But just do a quick evaluation. Where do you think your living in the Spirit slat would be? Another great part of our wellness check is our spiritual formation. This is the third part of our spiritual wellness check. Our spiritual formation is the process, or maybe the processes, of us becoming more like Jesus as we live in the Spirit, practice spiritual disciplines, and live together in Christian community. These are the things that form our life to be like Christ. The Holy Spirit is forming us into the likeness of Jesus every day as we cooperate with him instead of living on our own. Now, spiritual formation 
is dependent on one thing, consistency. It's dependent on our consistency and the consistency of our spiritual disciplines. It's dependent on the consistency of us connecting with the Holy Spirit throughout the day. It's dependent on the consistency of the things that we have in our life that help us be in tight, authentic, real, close relationship with God. So when we go to the doctor for a wellness check, they will often ask us lots of questions like, are you getting any exercise? What kind of things are you eating? Do you smoke, drink alcohol, or do drugs? I'm always happy to say, you know, no. And they're always, they always look at me like, nothing? No, nothing. They'll ask you, how long have you had this problem? On and on, right? Lots of questions. Now, what are they, what are they fishing after? The doctor asks these questions because they're trying to find out what are the regular habits in your life that are contributing to the issue you're having, right? That's all they're trying to figure out, that there's probably something that we are doing in our life that is a habit that we're doing with our physical body that is contributing to the problem that we're now talking to the doctor about. So he'll ask a bunch of questions. So let me do the same real quick. A spiritual checkup might sound something like this. Did you participate in the 21 days of prayer and fasting that your church just went through? How often do you read the Bible? Do you pray every day? And what do you say when you pray? Do you follow the Holy Spirit's nudgings or your own desires throughout the day? Are you connected to people in your church in a real and authentic way? And we could have some more, right? These would be the questions that your pastor would ask you if we were doing a spiritual wellness check, just like our doctor would ask us at our yearly wellness check. Because our spiritual disciplines are very important. They keep the process of our spiritual formation going throughout our life, day after day, week after week, year after year. Those spiritual disciplines that you and I have are what help us stay connected to the Father, connected to Jesus. They keep us living in the Spirit all the time. This is why we stress the importance of those spiritual disciplines all the time. This is why we stress reading the Bible together and go, reading through something all throughout the year and doing it together and being on track together. It's why we start our year every time with prayer and fasting. It's why we worship every Sunday morning that we're together because those things are forming us. They're molding us. They're shaping us. They're helping us be like Jesus. They're helping us understand Jesus. They're helping us believe in Jesus. They're getting theology in our heart and in our mind and in our spirit. All of those regular disciplines that we do, they're all just ways that it makes our relationship with God great. And that's why we do them. Just like we do all those things in other relationships that we have too, right? 
we communicate, we talk, we do, and this happens in every relationship. Our spiritual disciplines are the things that we do in our relationship with God to make our relationship with God great. For instance, if your boss sent you an email and you didn't respond to it, what might happen? <laughs> and you don't even respond to it. Let me ask you another question. What if he's sent you 10 emails and you haven't responded to any of them? He might walk in your office and ask you what? What's up, dude? Well, I don't know what. Dude, I've sent you 10 emails this week. You got a problem with me? What's going on? Now, because I know my God and he's good and he's loving and he's kind, he normally won't ask it like our boss will, right? But God might come along and say, hey, ding, 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 Mark, I sent you 10 emails last week and you were too busy paying attention to yourself that you didn't even hear me. There were 10 people I wanted you to say hi to and talk to Jesus about last week and you didn't get the message on any of them. Now, I don't know about where you're at, but I want that slat to be kind of high, right? I, I want my listening to Jesus slat to be pretty high up there. And it's just one of those slats in our life. I'm going to kind of close, sort of close with this. A big part, I'd say a pretty big part, of our spiritual formation is who we're doing life with. Who are you doing life with? I think we all know that the relationships that we keep are a huge impact in our lives. Huge. This is why the writer of Hebrews in chapter 10, verse 25 said, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. See, the writer of Hebrews knew it's super important for us to get together and hang out together and talk about Jesus together and pray and sing and just honor the Lord. That's really, really important for our lives. And then just get together and talk about life. And then in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, the apostle Paul said this, for physical training is of some value. But godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. See, Paul knew as well that what we do with our physical bodies, it's important. And we'll talk about that in a couple weeks. But what we do in our spiritual life, our godliness, has value for every single area of our life. Why? Because your spiritual life is where you find the real you. I want you to just take a minute and just think about a sailboat with me. About a 50-foot big one, a racing one, real sleek, fast, a couple really good sails. What's interesting about a sailboat is a sailboat has two things that actually are 
really, really important to the sailboat. There's lots of things like ropes and sails and masts and all that stuff, right? Those are all really, really important. But there's two other things that are actually more important than all of that. And that's the ballast and the skag. The ballast is the weight that you put in a sailboat at the bottom of the sailboat. And the skag is that long, thin thing that sticks down in the water. Now, here's what's interesting. The ballast and the skag, they help the sailboat from pitching and turning and just being like this ridiculous. You think you get seasick with that. With, with, get on a sailboat without a ballast. I mean, it's like, it's craziness, right? In fact, it hardly can stay up. It just pitches so much left and right. But here's what's interesting. We don't normally think about those things. You know Why? because you can't see them. They're under the waterline. But every single sailboat, and this happens regularly throughout the years, eventually somebody will say, hey, I'm going to try to set the new fastest time to sail around the world. And we find their sailboat somewhere, you know, flipped upside down in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. And it's ballast and it's skagger broke. And the sailor's nowhere to be found. See, when what's under the waterline, I'll call it your spirit, is broken, the boat can't sail anymore. The whole boat goes down. And I think that's what's happening in our world right now. We've got about 7 billion boats going down because there's no ballast. There's no skag. And we're trying to focus all of our attention above the waterline. And none of our attention below it. And so for the next five weeks, we're going to concentrate on what's below the waterline. Because your spiritual life is the real you. And at the conclusion of our messages, I'm going to ask us to do something that's just inventorial. And so I'm going to ask us to do it right now. Because I think that the next five weeks, along with this entire year with this question, am I all in for Jesus, needs to change every single one of us for the better for the rest of our lives. As we work on the ballast, as we work on the skag. So I want you to close your eyes with me just for a second. And I want you to answer this question in your own heart, in your own mind. How is Jesus inviting you to be all in for him this week? How is Jesus inviting you to be all in for him this week? Let's just sit in that for a minute.
let's just commit those things to Jesus. Lord, we give you thanks for a time to just think about what it means for our spirit to be right. Help us to understand that our spirit is the real us. It's who we really are. Our spirit is the person that you created before the foundations of the world and you placed inside of our mom a while ago. And we were given birth by water. But we need to be born of the spirit. You might be watching online or if you're in the room and you have not been renewed in your spirit yet, I want to encourage you to make that what you do this week. You need to be right with Jesus. Nothing is more important this week than you committing your life to Jesus for the first time or afresh. Nothing. If you don't know Jesus, that's your homework this week. You've got to get to know him. He's the best thing ever. For those of us that know Jesus, Lord, Holy Spirit, we know that you're in us. Help us to live in you. Help us to hear you all throughout our day, to be in tune with you. To not change the channel to our own channel, but to listen closely to you. I know that you want to speak to each of us all throughout every day because you love being in close relationship with us. And what an amazing miracle that the God of the universe is wanting to talk with us and be with us all throughout the day, all day. What a miracle. And lastly, Lord, would you help us to see that the spiritual formation, the spiritual way, the processes, the disciplines, the things that we have available to us that are straight from heaven to here, like your word, prayer, worship, hanging out with brothers and sisters in Christ. They're all also just such special gifts to each of us to live for you. Lord, if there's one of those things that maybe that slats just quite a bit lower in our life, would you help us to raise that one? to do whatever it takes to get your word and community and prayer and those things in our life. If we got to wake up a little bit earlier, or switch things up throughout the day a bit, Lord, would you help us to make that our priority? Jesus, we want to be all in for you. But we also know that that might require a little bit of movement on our part. Because you've already showed us that you're all in for us. The cross tells us that every time we look at it. 
Help us to be all in for you. We give you thanks this morning, Lord, for a time to just think about that, remember those important things in our life, and to focus on you. In Jesus' name we pray, we all said, amen. Amen. Well, our prayer partners are going to be up here, so if you want to pray with somebody, I'd love to have you just come up and pray. If you want to just hang out with somebody or pray with somebody else in the room, feel free to do that too. Always remember, Jesus loves you very much. So do Kate and I. Have a great week.